and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's a South Texan poppy poet living that hashtag middle class gay life. It's Chibi. She's a little bit Selena, a little bit JLo, and a whole lot of Pisces. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. Chibber. Rooster. Howdy, howdy. Hello, everybody tuned in today. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to share this space with you and with our featured guest today. Uh, but can, can we can we brag on ourselves a little bit? Because it's the end of the month. Yes. But it's also the end of uh, something that we started. Or maybe it's the beginning of something that we started. But we closed submissions for a literary magazine that we just started this year uh, called The Mixtape. Uh, yes. And Rooster, for those that don't know, you want to give a quick you know, like blurb on what the mixtape is? The mixtape is a literary journal that we just started, Shibi and I, uh, along with some amazing help uh, from other individuals, Samara, Omar, shout out to Larissa, um, where we accept poetry, artwork, uh, creative nonfiction and academic work that uh, centers on each specific issue, uh, centering on a music genre, on a particular type of era in, in music and so forth. Yeah. And we started this because like both Rooster and I like really understand the power of music. Right. And, and what music can do culturally, societally, even like personally, like I know for me, like my teenage years were all about, you know, like punk rock, hardcore that really fueled this like anti-establishment rebellious kind of nature that I was just like, yes, yes. You know, like this is fuel. The music was fueling me and driving me in a direction uh, that that I just felt so like validated and seen and like there was community uh, centered around music. Like, what was it? What was it for you, Rooster? For me, it was definitely hip hop. It was uh, I was I grew up during that late '90s, early 2000s when it was really popping. And you know, contrary to what a lot of people think, like I was really into Outkast back then. And you were kind of a weirdo if you were into Outkast back then. It wasn't until kind of like. Stankonia and hey uh, that it was like cool to be yeah. an outcast but they kind of gave me permission to be like yo you're into weird things you like to read books and talk about Basquiat and blah blah blah, blah. Uh, so I was really a big kind of them <laughs> yeah outcast was like the hip-hop for for the weirdo kids that yeah find their way into punk rock and and emo and all of that fun stuff well a absolutely and today we have an MC as well we have a poet uh, a man of many hats. Uh, you want to go on ahead and tell us who the yeah. guest is today? No stranger to the importance of music in this world. Uh, born in Maywood and raised in, Pe I'm going to fuck this name up, Pe Peoria. 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 Peoria, Illinois. Yes. Brandon Alexander Williams is a poet, MC, and DJ. He is the most recent recipient of the Grant Wood Fellowship and is a visiting instructor at the University of Iowa School of Music, where he teaches courses on hip hop. Williams is an alumnus of the Southern Illinois University Carbondale, where he produced The Yard, an a cappella hip hop musical. As an active MC and DJ, he has performed and taught throughout the country, produced eight albums, published two books, and given seven several guest lectures and keynotes centered around art, integration, education. Y'all give it up. Show some love in the comment section for Brandon Alexander Williams. Welcome to hey. the show. What's up? What's up? Hey. Very glad to have you. Very glad to have you. Um, so we're going to just dive right in because this is also kind of like uh, you're, you're on a 
time crunch. Um, so we want to just jump right in and get to this thing that we call speed dating to better get to know you, but then also for the individuals who are listing. So we're going to ask you kind of a quick series of questions and you feel free to answer them as quickly or as, you know, elaborately as you like. Uh, Chibi. Yeah. First question. First question. What is the best hip hop album of the 90s? Best hip hop album of the 90s is, um oh, it's AT Aliens. Okay. Good call. Good call. I dig that. I dig that. Um, yeah. All right. But I'm, I'm going to go with AT Aliens. Yes. That one. Yeah. A lot of people go with Pumanai, but I agree with you. AT Aliens was, was phenomenal front to back. Um, second question. What is one of the weirdest poetry performances you've ever had? <laughs> weirdest? Yeah. Um, like. So like maybe once upon a time, I went to like an all erotica set in Chicago mm -hmm. and I was like weirded out because after the set, like a, a, a older lady made a pass at me and oh, she wow. went, yeah. And it made me like very uncomfortable. So that from that day forward, I quit doing erotica pieces. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. We host what that mouth do here in San Antonio on a quarterly basis. And it's, it's a grab bag of a night. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> All right, here's my next question. And I ask this of all of our guests because I am a foodie through and through. What is your favorite food dish to eat? Um, it's definitely going to be breakfast. Um, French yes. toast, omelets, omelets of any kind. Just all of it. Breakfast, yeah. Breakfast is like top, it's, it's top five dead or alive. Are you a breakfast like any time of day type of person? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Much respect. I'm the, youngest of eight. I'm the youngest of eight. And so my mom brought me in the kitchen when I was like 11 and taught me, she was like, whatever you like to eat, I'm going to teach you how to make that so that you won't, you know, be picky about the food I make. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you and Rooster. I am not a breakfast fan. Oh, I love breakfast. Breakfast is amazing. I want breakfast right now. Um, all right. And then for the last question, in a word or more, whatever you feel, um, what would you say makes you or your work different from other poets? Um, caring. Okay. I, care. I care about the craft. I care about how it sounds. Um, I care about uh, delivery is such a is such a rabbit hole of a, mm -hmm. uh, of, a of a concept. And so, um, I get excited when I see an artist doing their thing and they're like killing it. And I make sure that like I beeline to them when they get off stage and let them know how much they killed it because. There are some people who, who will judge or like critique and some people ask me to critique and I refuse to mm. uh, because, you know, critiquing something is always subjective, but I care. That's what sets me apart. I care. And so when you listen to my work, when you read my work, when you see my performance, you can tell that I care about it. And mm. I come from a scene, um, didn't grow up in Chicago, but came up uh, artistically on the Chicago poetry scene where people care a whole lot. And mm. so... Um, I always use this example. Imagine going to an open mic where 30 people are on the list and 28 of them are like amazing. Not like, oh, that was a dope poem. Like, no, oh my goodness. How have I never heard of this person? Amazing. Mm -hmm. So that was my normal. So when I went to travel, our motto is two or 200 perform it like it's the Grammys. That was the thing I saw practiced out, right? It wasn't just mm -hmm. talk. And so I remember traveling and then, you know, going to another city and and an open mic where 20 people on the list and five of them are spectacular. Then I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like they, all right. Yeah. But then, you know, joining with those super friends and sharpening my iron. Exactly. And that's what I, you know, did along the road. But yeah, I care. 
I care. That's my that's my short and long answer. <laughs> <laughs> short and long. I I love it. Uh, I think that's a perfect transition to to get into the poetry uh, for anybody that's watching. Use the comment section. We love it. Shout out favorite lines, things like that. Um, but yeah, Brandon Alexander Williams, will you please uh, open us up with a poem? Um, peace. Yeah, it's called uh, the Talented Tenth. I say. I'm part of the talented tenth. I just happen to spit, dropping that immaculateness, dropping that immaculateness. Fly as a bird, dropping that immaculateness. I'm part of the talented tenth. I just happen to spit, dropping that immaculateness. Sitting on the sofa watching Oprah's masterclass, bumping a song called Jazzmatazz by Jay Electronica, spitting half and half with Dr. Martin Luther King speaking with his pastor swag. I'm half man, half amazing. All my ancestors in part master ace mixed with half Sam Davis tap dancing to jazz with the rap pack in basements. I'll be the tall and handsome African packing places while fans clap and wave while he fast rap on stages. I'm part Spike Lee in a white tee, but a little less popular, right? Rocking the mic with the impact, sparking the light. I'm part Langston Hughes with Slick Rick Chain on. Storytelling with a flashy vest paint on. Cutting records with Jazzy Jeff Brain on the same table as Cool Hurt scratched his name on. I'm black. Yes, black and in gorilla knees. I'm different like Mike Jackson moonwalking over Dilla Beats. Dancing in the streets next to Pharrell and ODB screaming, please. I'm James Brown at Thelonious Monk with an odorless, melodious funk opening up on a parliament stage with George Clinton playing the harp and the bass next to Marvin Gaye rocking a high top fade with a part in his waves. Under a snapback tribe hat recording with Pro Tools and a mic jack. Raw, no inbox, just like that. Hooked up to a light fast, Wi-Fi white back book controlled by an iPad. Produced by Fela Kuti with an MPC. Rocking the stadium with no empty seats. Full coverage followed on NBC, mixed down in a high quality MP3 of wave files. Tracked out, so just stay a while. My lyrics and conversation to make your brain smile. Never the same style. So all these labels, they should be shopping any day now. I'm part of the talented 10th, I just happen to spit. Dropping that immaculateness. Dropping that immaculateness. Flies a bird. Dropping that immaculateness. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Round of applause for the poet. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for that. I, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump right straight into my first question here because you identify kind of as an MC and poet and DJ, and, and I love that. That's awesome. I guess my question is, is um, hip hop is definitely in a different place than it was back in the nineties and the early two thousands and stuff. And you self identifying as an MC, I think is for those who don't understand is like premiere. It's like, you care about the words, you care about the delivery, the lyrics and so forth. But with the way that hip hop is kind of presented now in mass and sort of, uh, uh, across popular culture, do you still feel like MCs are as important to the culture or, or is it like, dying off i mean that, that's kind of a large question because it's kind of always gets talked about and i know whenever i talk to mcs and local rappers and, and, and so on and so forth they're like no 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 it's real it's real but the yeah. radio and what's out there really going off is kind of different you know no, I mean? um to, to answer your question no it's yeah. definitely not dying off um it, it just it just evolves in a different manner or it mm -hmm. goes to a different place um there's always going to be an underground Right. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be a niche market of MCs, just like there's always going to be a niche market of like poets. Right. Sure. Who um, who only travel or poets who only slam. Right. There's mm -hmm. always going to be um, different places. So so hip hop is going to evolve. I, I just have been introduced to hip hop. Well, not just maybe uh, around 2012. I was introduced to hip hop in the educational space. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening in that space is that they're letting more MCs in like mm -hmm. MCs that actually MC because uh, usually 
It just started with professors who were fans of it. But once you bring in a practitioner, it changes everything. Because, mm-hmm. um, for example, in my class, for the final, the students had to have had to write a battle rap from the perspective of whatever uh, subject I gave them. Right. That was the format. There wasn't a written, you know, written out or anything like that, right? Uh, of course, they submitted their rhymes so I could have a written thing, right. but their performance, uh, the the, ma- the majority of the grade was based on their performance of them delivering it based on what they learned all semester. And so, for example, I did epic rap battles like Sun versus the Moon, uh, awesome. Android versus iPhone. And so people identified <laughs> that. Uh, re- there was one line, one of my students, she said to, uh, she said, uh, uh, she was a sun, and she said to the moon, she said, uh, I don't know what you wanted with me, because word in the street is the cow jumped over you because you ain't want no beef. <laughs> 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 and so it was it was cool to find um, things like that, but also uh, using, j- just look at like how we always should, right? Look at poetry, mm. look at rap as a mode of communication, mm. as it is, right? Not like, um, so for example, Chibi or Rooster, right? If you got a piece, if you got a poem, if somebody asked you about that, you would start to have conversation to break down the first stanza or the second stanza. What we should do is say, no, that's the format in which you digest it. If you choose to break it down, you can do that. Mm. Because in essence, it's just like Chibi saying, I'm tired and I want to go to sleep. And then me trying to check that statement and say, Chibi, did you really mean that you're like fatigued or are you sleeping? And it's like, (laughs) is what I said not sufficient enough? You know what I'm saying? And Mm. so, that's proof that you know raps and poems are intelligent in their own right because they must be broken down. It took us time to encode the message, and so you have to decode the message. And so my long answer to your question uh, is is that um, yeah, it's it's um, in in the in the educational space, more MCs, more practitioners are coming in, and schools are recognizing, oh, we need practitioners. We don't need people who are fans. You know, they wouldn't get somebody yeah. who's a big fan of jazz to teach jazz music. They would get a jazz music player mm-hmm. or a jazz instrumentalist. And so schools are starting to get on. They're like, wait a second, we need rappers. We need poets to come in and use this medium that has already influenced our children mm-hmm. to not only interpret it for us, but to teach them how to communicate in the same way and teach us as faculty and staff how to communicate in the same way and understand and decode that language. 100%. Mm-hmm. I love that. I feel like we all kind of share that mentality. You know, Rooster's a professor at a university, but also works with the youth. Uh, I work with the youth around the city as well. And it's it's Ooh. the importance of of art art and artists teaching their art, you know, as, as a means of education. I want to like dive uh, and unpack a little bit more about the work that you're doing now, right? So you're an instructor at the University of Iowa uh, teaching courses in hip hop. I guess my questions are like, how, why, and what? You've kind of already uh, talked about a little bit about the why and the what, but like, how did that come about? You know, why is it important to you? And 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 what are your students getting out of these classes that you're teaching? Cool. So clarification, right? Actually, that was a that was an outdated bio. So um, it was a one year fellowship that I had at the university. I'm no longer there. They call okay. me back every now and then to like do a one off or like a speaking engagement. But um, while I was there, my class was called um, uh, writing rap. Uh, music 1030, writing rap. And so basically uh, I was teaching on the craft of rap writing, but in order to do that, we had to go all the way back to like language because hip hop is um, <clears throat> it's traditionally like a black art. We had to go back to like black colloquialisms and like even like on day one, we studied the N word because I had to let them know, like, check this out. This this is emotionally loaded. Here, uh, here are the several reasons why. 
why it can't be not taken serious. You know what I'm saying? Because it has all this historical context. But um, um, like I say, teaching them, uh, in, in essence, I was just teaching the students how to communicate with a different language. And any students that already knew how to rap or knew how to write poetry, um, I taught them how to use it to its fullest extent, to employ that language to its fullest extent. Um, and so, of course, we breeze different topics, controversial topics, you know, like, for example, one of the first weeks I taught from um, Beanie Siegel, What's Your Life Like, where he details uh, being in prison. And he talks about how it was. And I remember going through line from line and asking the students, what does this mean? Like every single line, whether it's cursing, whether it's graphic. And he's like, wait a second, like that's for it. And it's like, yeah, this is real. Do you hear the, you know, what he's talking about, how he has to wash, you know, what do you say, wash after um he said you got a gargling spit, same water you piss. You know, like he was just talking to really going graphic. And yeah. so that type of stuff, I put I, I put them in the thick of it, right? I didn't just be like, oh, let me give you like the rap from the Fresh Prince intro. You know what I'm saying? Um, let me let me give you um uh, and then I also talk from battle rap too, because at that form, I believe at the battle rap juncture, that's where new rhyme styles are born and die every battle. Like the life expectancy of wordplay, it evolves with every battle because somebody introduces something new, then everyone copies it, then it's played out and it keeps going. But then from there, it trickles out into actual rap music, into poetry. So when you hear these, you know, new rhyme styles, uh, I'm heavily influenced by comedy and battle rap specifically. So you're gonna you're gonna hear elements of comedy um, in my delivery. Um, I really study comedy for delivery because comedic timing is, um, I think, is an underestimated like concept of genius. Yeah. To say something in the right amount of time to elicit laughter. Yeah. To elicit an aha moment uh, from from another poet. You know. Yeah, it's definitely art. Is com comedy is definitely art. I totally feel you on that. I listen to a lot of comedians for that, and then also it you learn a lot about voice if you listen to comedians. Like Hannibal Buress sounds a lot different than Jerry Seinfeld, who sounds a lot different than you know. And they in and, and there's a reason why comedians all bring their own flavor to it. And it's really interesting when you think about that in terms of poetry, because yeah, sometimes we all use similar metaphors, but. One person delivers it one way, another person delivers it another way, and, and so on and so forth. Rooster, Rooster, where are you from, man? You dropped two names that I that I rock with heavy. Where are you from, man? I'm from San Antonio, man. <laughs> Bro, you I mean, said, first of all, you brought up Outcast, and then you said Hannibal Burris. Hannibal Burris went to my college. He wasn't yeah. there when I was there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I taught some of his stand-up in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Hannibal is awesome. One of the homies here has a, a Hannibal Burris in San Antonio story. The homie Travis, he bumped into him at a taco spot and was like, "Hey, Hannibal, can I get your autograph?" He was like, "No, but you could buy me a taco." So he bought him a taco. <laughs> <laughs> right, you could have an experience. Like, he, yeah, he's a he's a genius. Like, um, and a lot of people to know that like he wrote for SNL and Thirty Rock before yeah. he got his hour special and everything. But um, what I taught in class is like how he leaves. There's no filler. At all, he, he finds a joke, and then the, on the way to the joke, finds a joke in the joke, and it's like this is completely brilliant, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, like one of his punchlines where he says, Uh, he's like, You know, um, he said, I host the open mic, and then you know, my ex girlfriend came, and I had to introduce her, and he said, You know, uh, <laughs> give um, it up for this horrible ass, bring it, mediocre blow Tia Johnson, and then the, then the yeah. audience like reacts, and he's like, I gotta stop saying her real name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double yeah. laughter, and then he says, "Chippy." Then he's like, "He's like, I could always use the bit. The I gotta stop saying a real name. Use a fake name, but I still keep using a real name." 
which was like a triple laughter. And it's like, yo, who thinks like this? Like he, he, he he's dope. He's really one of the one of the greatest comedy writers like like ever. Um, and so yeah, um, yeah, we're really really dope dude. And then Outcast is like, that's come on man. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's my heart. I was ten years old listening to um, AT Aliens, and uh, me and you was my first Elevators was my first introduction to hip hop. Mm, that's a, that's a hell of an introduction. That's a that's a classic. And, and I got to I'm gonna reference this book again. This first book I got called she calls me Mr. Right. I detail a story of how I got to go to Andre 3000's house and hang oh, out with him. Dang, that's cool. And Recently, like with it, like now in Brooklyn, where he's like walking around with a flute and stuff, or like <laughs> while he was still performing and stuff. No, his home in Georgia. This was uh, oh, okay, right on 2013, 2014. Okay. Oh yeah, he was still active for sure. Back then, mm-hmm. low key flex, low key flex. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then also, and I'm gonna throw this into because it's relevant to the other book, and also Big Boy's in this book. He submitted his verse from Spodiody Dopalicious, mm-hmm. um, and this is called the Black Love Mixtape. It's an anthology. Me and 72 brothers from across the country put together poems, songs, and raps dedicated to uplifting the black woman. And mm-hmm. uh, on every page, there's a QR code. If you scan it, it takes you to a private playlist. Of that artist spitting that piece, so it's an audio book built into the physical book. That's legit. That's legit. Uh, well, let's let's talk about you know kind of the other things you you mentioned like how you've worked some of these things into like your lesson plan uh, at your year at the University of Iowa, but you also offer. Uh, these online uh, webinars uh, that you got on your website right now, eating off your art. But essentially, what you're doing is kind of like breaking breaking down the stereotype of the starving artist, right? The starving artist stereotype. Uh, you've been traveling and performing for the past 12 years. So can you tell us a little bit more about that course uh, and kind of like what your journey has been as a, you know, as a as an artist living off his art? Man, so um, that's something I'm super duper passionate about because um, when I, when I kind of went, it was like, you know, um, walking the unbeaten path, you know, going straight through the woods with a machete like figuring it out and then going back and paving it and saying, Hey, y'all can come this way. So like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the unstarving artist, um, eating off your art, the, the masterclass is a two hour webinar. Um, and it's a full course outline. And basically it, it teaches different tips and tricks of the trade that I've tried before and have succeeded with over the past 12 years. Right. So it's not just like, Oh, this is a good idea. You should do it. You know, or I heard about this, that it works. It's like, no, this has worked for me. And here are some um, common parallels, you know, like, so for example, when I start off, of course, I I talk about networking and I specifically talk about vertical networking versus lateral networking. And uh, I identify vertical networking as like people who book talent and then uh, lateral networking is the talent that gets booked. So if you're at an event, um, there's likely a host there. There might be a band there, a photographer, um, a bartender, right? All of these different people get booked. And so when you're networking, keep in mind, okay, this is a lateral networky, um, or sometimes it's a hybrid, right? Chibi might throw his own events. So you're like, okay, that's lateral and vertical. He mm-hmm. throws monthly or he throws weekly, but he's also a head of a nonprofit, right? So mm-hmm. when you think about vertical networkies, you talk about like uh, venue owners, event planners, um, people who run nonprofits uh, or just people who own business owners, period. Because a lot of times, you know, poetry is, is still a newer, um, it's still a newer art as far as like booking. When people book you, it's usually their first time. And if it's recurring, they already kind of know the business. But it's our job as artists to kind of get the people in line. So to, to use a metaphor, get them in line in our store. 
like while they're in the store because they'll just wander around and be like, this is nice, this is nice. And so I give people tools to like, here's how you get folks in line without being pushy. And here's how you close on a deal. Here's an entry point of sale. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I give an example of fishing. I talk about fishing in like the second chapter. And I say, you know, three, three types of fishing is through open mics, pro bono, uh, pro bono gigs, and promo ads. And so, of course, open mics, um, and with every level, it's a different um, amount of time you get on stage and uniqueness. So, for example, the open mic is a bunch of artists, so you can get lost in the, um, in, in the um, you know, in the traffic, um, and you only get three minutes, right? Three to five minutes, depending on what open mic you're at. So you may not stand out. When it comes to a, a pro bono gig, right, I say you would do this for, like, um, a school graduation. It's tons of graduations. If you're a poet and you're not doing nothing, you should contact somebody and be like, hey, could I do a piece that compliments like for the students? Now you're on a stage by yourself. There's no other poets in the building that are performing. Mm -hmm. And even though you didn't get paid, it looks like you did. Mm -hmm. So then when somebody follows up, hey, I saw, hey, Rooster, you did that piece at, um, at the graduation. That was really dope. Could you come and do something for my children? Entry point. Mm -hmm. That's the entry point for sale. A lot of times we fumble those. We just think somebody's giving us a compliment. Mm -hmm. No, that's the entry point for a sale. That's when you say, yeah, let me send you something. And this, and this next thing you should send them should be like a proposal or a potential invoice. All right, yeah, here's a 12-week program. Here's a 20-week program. Here's once a week. Here's twice a week with different prices. So in, in essence, you give them a menu. You say, hey, here, here's the menu for what you just asked about. Cause this is business happening when they talk yeah. that way, you know what I'm saying? And so I teach uh, students about, uh, or, or artists about the three types of menus you should have, right? You should have your booking menu, you should have your performance menu, and you should have your uh, merchandise menu, right? Of mm -hmm. course, uh, booking menu is uh, A, B, and C, right? At least come up with three. Um, menu A, uh, this is how much I cost for 15 to 20 minutes. This is how much I cost for 30 minutes. This is how much I cost for 45 to 60. Mm -hmm. And your performance menu is, of course, you don't show that to nobody. It's between you and, you know, your producer or, or your band or whoever you're working with. That's pretty much. All right. I'm going to do this piece because it's only a 20 minute set. I'm going to lead with this. I'm going to talk a little bit, you know, and you formulate that and then you kind of move it in and out, you know, based on, you know, I visited San Antonio before and I'm like, OK, second verse, big crowd, good acoustics. OK, cool. I'm going to project, but I'm going to step away from the mic. All of that stuff is like written in my menu, you know. Mm -hmm. Of course, mine is kind of like in my mind, but um, then it's like, all right, go to uh, you know Austin Slam, and it's like, okay, smaller venue. I'd rather not use the mic. Everybody can hear me, um, and because it's only fifteen minutes, I'm gonna do this. Then I'm gonna do that. And in mm -hmm. cities that you've been to, that you come back to, okay, people really like this piece, so I'm gonna make it my ender. Or you know what? I'm gonna experiment this time. I'm gonna do this other piece as an ender. I'm gonna tell a story. I'm gonna do my B sides. These are things that we should be thinking of as artists. Get really deep into it. You know what I'm saying? Get into mm -hmm. the needs of your artistry. Look through your Rolodex. Look through your poems and decide, you know what? I ain't spit this in a while. I'm going to do this at this city because this is the city I grew up in. Or mm -hmm. this is the crowd. This is my birthday show. So I can do the pieces I don't usually do. I can mm -hmm. kick off my shoes and relax my feet and party on down to the escape beat. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I can do all that. And so... Um, yeah, I, I talk about things like that and I talk about like, uh, negotiation details. Um, I mean, ne negotiation tactics, um, in different ways to, you know, uh, leverage, um, um, a, a decent amount, man. And we talking like real money. We talking like mm -hmm. four figure gigs mm -hmm. that people have. But if we don't think, if we only think people can afford a hundred, um, a hundred dollars to pay or whatever, then, um, 
and we don't research or we don't experience or we don't explore, then we'll get stuck in that. And we won't think, how can I make a living off of spoken word? You know what I'm saying? No, and absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful to have been doing it um, full time for the past, uh, we'll say eight years to where it's been nothing but that. Mm. And um, there's definitely a mixture, right? So it's not just I perform poems on stage and then that's it. You know, like, of mm. course, I've written for some stuff. Right. But all that's still intertwined. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's still in the gene pool of poetry, writing. Yeah. And all of that. And then also I'll get into the weeds of like different contracts as far as like um, what to detail. Someone asked me the other day, hey, if I, uh, if somebody commissioned me to write a piece for a commercial or for something, how much should I charge? And I'm like, you need to charge for the composition of it. You need to charge for the writing of it, for the arrangement of it, for the uh, for the vocal production, i.e. the delivery. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if someone else is going to read this, you got to teach them how to read it. That's a job. Mm-hmm. In the industry, mm-hmm. it's a job. Somebody writes a lot of R&B singers or pop singers. Somebody writes the song. Somebody teaches them how to swag the song along, how to do it to the beat. All of that's a different price. Mm-hmm. You need to give them one price, but you need to let them know, hey, this was this much and all mm-hmm. of that. And it can't be taken away. They can't be like, oh, the price is five grand. Uh, let me take away a thousand. Take away the uh, delivery. It's like, no, no, no. It's built in, but right. you need to know what you're paying for. Because if you just say poem five grand, they're like, what? You got to bring it to them. You got to right. help them understand like, yo, no, this is this. This is all these different levels. And then on top of that, this is the finished product audio. Then you're paying for the audio recording. Then you're paying me to be on camera mm-hmm. on the wow. audio and for my likeness to appear. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it gets petty like that. Like, no, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely a vast, like, I completely agree. And I agree with you. Artists have to control their destiny in terms of marketing, publishing, their prices, you know, accounting, all that goes into it. And like, you, you really take a very extensive approach with it. And I think that's awesome. And I also think it's awesome how you share that information because a lot of times we talk about like gatekeepers in poetry or like venues and stuff like that. And I see you more as someone who's like a gate opener. And I guess my question is, is like what what kind of drove you to sort of be that way to sort of share these gifts or these this information and these talents like that man when i think about a gesture of love that's like the biggest gesture of love giving Mm. it's like not giving with expecting something in return but giving because i want i want you to be better like i want you to have an opportunity i didn't have and so like i remember once one time i was in i was in atlanta visiting and um a guy asked me outside the waffle house he was like hey could you you know uh, could you spare, you know, some money? I was like, I don't have no money, but I'll buy you a meal. He was like, all right, cool. And so I gave him the menu. I said, buy whatever you want. And I can see him kind of hesitate, like, dang, should I like order a bunch of stuff? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, he ordered one meal. And then when he was done, I paid the bill. And I told him, I said, check this out. This is a gift. This means that, um, this means that if five years from now, I'm down on my luck and you're the richest man in the world, you don't owe me anything. I want you to pay that forward. And so the people, the, the young and old OGs that taught me the game, whether it's performance or whether it's money wise, they gave it to me. They gifted it to me. And so I'm going to give it away as well. I'm going to continue to do that. And then on top of that, um, I sell the course, but I still daily and weekly give out tips from the same course because it's like, hey, if you don't want to just look at my free tips or search it, if you want to hire me to walk you through it, that's a price. You know what I'm saying? And so, but um, yeah, for the most part, um, yeah, for the most part, it's just uh, I'm passionate about it. I want artists to win. Because another thing I discovered is that 
Um, and I learned this from like looking at going to the farmer's market, right? Me and my wife go to the farmer's market. Hi, Gabby. Um, <laughs> my baby go to the farmer's market on Saturdays. And one day we went to a, a stand uh, and they were sold out of something. And so then we thought, okay, let's go to this other stand. They have produce too. And I said, wait a second. And I said, a lot of artists, we think that, well, if I'm a poet in San Antonio and you're a poet in San Antonio, eventually, like, you could take my gig. There's no such thing. <laughs> right. And here's why. Um, there will be more gigs. And so if my hopes are that what I know what will happen is that when I give this, um, I use an analogy of oranges. If I come to the farmer's market and I got 100 oranges and I sell out of oranges in eight minutes, I'm excited because I'm like, yay, I sold out. But then there, there's a line of customers that didn't get oranges and they mad. So it was like, dang, hmm. I could go greedy and say, let me buy, let me, let me buy as many oranges as I can so I could make more money, which is more work for me. When I become the boss, I got to hire more workers, so on and so forth. Or I could go to, you know what I'm saying, from San Antonio, I could go to Austin Farms and say, hey, there's a market for oranges right here. Mm -hmm. Come on here. So then the next week when I run out, the first, we run out a little bit later because the market's bigger than we estimated, right? I come back and instead of 100 oranges, I got 500. And then the guy I brought in, he has 500. We sell out in two hours. Damn, we still got a whole day for it. Let's contact other orange farmers. Let's not wholesale from them. Let's bring them here. Mm -hmm. And guess what you become? You become the plug. Chibi, yeah. you become the poet that brings poets that are good, that do good business. Mm -hmm. So you're going to always get business. And then if one day, using a farmer's market analogy, if one day your, your stand breaks down, they're like, yo, man, uh, you got, here's another. Here you go. I got an extra one in my truck. Yeah. Here, have it. Sir, who brought me here? Mm -hmm. And brought me money to feed my family. So when I get booked for gigs, best believe I'll bring artists with me. I'm bringing yeah. an artist with me next Wednesday. Yeah. And this I love is, that. He's learning to this right now. But when he see him, he's going to be like, yo. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, it's you got to bring them. I love that mentality. You know, I think that mentality is very much uh, rooted in a lot of people that do the kind of like organizational work that the that you, the educational work that you do, that Rooster and I do, and all that. Where it is like you, you bring your community with you. You bring everybody up uh, because we all kind of win. Um, so excited uh, that you'll be in Texas next week for anybody watching that right now and wants to get a little bit more of Brandon Alexander Williams. You will be in Houston at right about now next Wednesday. Uh, uh, so excited to see that. Uh, and I'm going, I'm going to Turkey Lake Hub before, so I'm just letting everybody know. And, no. also, and also, Beyonce will she will not be there. Oh. <laughs> I got I can't stress that enough. Um, and also, like this is like I've been to Houston sporadically, but I've never done right about now, and so mm. or I've, never, I've never attended. And so Houston is a market that um, over the past years, um, I I not a, not that I haven't ran into. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know I'm saying been to Dallas, been to Austin, um, even been to Colleen. You yeah, know, yeah. What I'm um, rest we in know Colleen. <laughs> um, rest in peace to Rage Almighty, man. Um, yes. We, he put me on some Dallas spots um, as well as, you know, some Austin spots and, and, and stuff like that. And actually he was one of the, he was one of the authors in the book as well. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, man. So, so I'm looking forward to coming to Houston, man. We're going to kill it and uh, yeah. I'm bring it. I'm bringing somebody with me and uh, we, we going, we going to tear it down. 
and we're, we're gonna. I'm bringing some people who care. That's what I'm gonna nice. start. Saying. I'm bringing nice. people who care. That's gonna get on the mic. And so, uh, yeah, man. So I'm, I'm gonna say to all the poets that's gonna be in the building, man. Um, bring, bring your, uh, bring your A game, man. Let's show out. Let's show out for the yeah. city. Let's show out for yes. the, for the art. You know what I'm saying? If this was a night that you like, I'm gonna try something new. Like, no, come to like kill so that we can cipher after the show and like let it be real hip hop. I love it. Texas Poetry Family is real close. We real tight down here. Uh, so, you know, you you officially part of the family, I guess. You know, you're invited to the cookout, as they say down here. Um, also, before I go, I want to shout out some Texas poets that I know that have either brought me through or that show love to me. Um, in Houston, I want to shout out the Seven, Seven the Poet. Yeah. Um, in Dallas, I want to shout out Masterpiece, as well as Candy. Um, and like I said already, uh, uh, R.I.P. Rage Almighty. Um, but yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna be through through uh through Texas, man. We're gonna be in Houston, Eighth Town. Beyonce will not be there. <laughs> Love it. Well, can can you close us out with one more poem? Give us just a little something of what people might expect next week. You know, if they attend in Houston. All right, but, uh, let me see. Um, Miss America, who left your daddy house three ships deep, headed west. High frequency, high frequent seas, overstayed welcome with welcoming natives. Thanksgiving food and cultivation of land traded for blanket statements and redlining, punking me, scooting and bumping me. Ohio company, there you go, changing the rules, blocking me. Jim Crow tried stopping me, knocking me. We turned Greenwood, Orchard, and Pine into money bands on Black Wall Street, so you dropped a bomb on me. You dropped a bomb on me, pardon me, starving me, manufacturing poverty, sitting, manufacturing poverty manufacturing poverty, sit and watch, then whipping Plymouth Rock and dropping him on project housing property. I beat the game with a handicap, proceeded to leave, but you pimping us, made us pulled and had money sent to us. Say daddy can't be in the crib to get benefits, so he dipped and that crippled us. Hmm. Because depression is rampant, people drinking geek and sniffing some. Candy store be giving some, ease your mind random. Meanwhile, legislators preparing documentation that accommodates mandatory minimums. No filibus, gotta get them rooms at the Double Tree Penitentiary and fill them up. Meanwhile, mama working double time, so she's sending us to daycare with Similac. She don't mouth to nipple us, nutrients lacking, bones and heart brittle. No therapist or hospital, pain turns to rhyme, hot spitter. Comedy prize got you hot, richer than pride, where you were not winning all by design america happenstance is not with her but we manufacture culture i say we manufacture culture remix anything given this ain't even my dialect and i'm rhyming it that's mathematics and linguistics combined embedded in my melanin you can't keep greatness from me the cheese already shredded and spreaded you can't degrade this from me you can't put me back in a block you can't cremate this mummy this is god's currency you can't recreate this money we be seasoning Extract, indigenous to expat, royal wherever I step at. My elders build pyramids and you still can't destroy or dissect that. Wait a minute, fall, you better check back and don't hold your breath black because as soon as I plummet, my wings spread, two bussin', parachute. I ain't even know I had that in a jetpack. And that be the black woman. She be the vertebral column and she go hard whether she is or not wounded. But you cold-blooded America, dream seller, amphibian, far from the black ant, Vivian, I was only chattel to you. All you ever cared about was had the numbers added to you. Had me fight my people over Federal Reserve notes that don't even matter to you. I'm cashing my chips in, leaving this casino. I want to no longer fight this battle for you, Miss America. Mm, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much to the poet. 
for joining us. Uh, Mr. Al- uh, uh, Brandon Alexander Williams, where can people find you, your work, your books? Where, uh, for those who are listening in podcast format, where can they find you, sir? Man, you can check me out at moderndaygrio.net. Um, but also um, follow me on um, Instagram at Brandon Alexander Williams. You get the link uh, in my bio. It goes to my link tree. Takes you everywhere you need to go, whether you need to buy classes, you want to book me, or if you want to buy some books um, and gift them to people. You know what I'm saying? So moderndaygrio.net or uh, Brandon Alexander Williams on IG. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Safe travels. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see you in Houston. Uh, thank you for covering some time out and joining us. Much appreciated. Joe, thank you. Hey, yeah, yeah, have a good one. All right, peace. Yo, Rooster. What up? I, I mean, I feel like we just got like a little mini masterclass right now. Right? Yeah, 100%. Like, hmm, hmm, yeah, taking the notes, taking the notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for, for the um, average individual who maybe has some interest in poetry, I think this episode, it gives you just a tiny glimpse into all the work that goes into it. I mean, into it's the so glacier much. that is being a working artist. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's it is a job, and we say that, and sometimes people don't understand it. And and shout out to Brandon for really um, giving it to the people. Like that's that's highly commendable. Yeah, um, a lot of people just want to gatekeep. A lot of people just want to. Uh, keep the information for themselves or you know there's a lot of uh kind of going back to his metaphor about um if i sell oranges yeah um sometimes and i've seen this i mean metaphorically speaking like if you sell your 100 oranges and then someone else brought 200 oranges and then they sell out and then sell out more sometimes people are like well why do they sell more it's like well like it happens and (laughs) so to see someone who's just actively like doing not only their own work and 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 growing and developing as an artist and a performer and an educator and then openly sort of just lifting the floodgates for everyone else that's 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 so commendable yeah and it's very much uh to the to the point that he made like this is not a zero-sum game people all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is no shortage of, of spaces and gigs and paying gigs uh, for talented artists out there. So for anyone thinking about it, I mean, it's work. Shit's going to work. Uh, you know, uh, and not all of us have a, a team of people behind us doing all the extra work, you know. And I think that's the hardest part of like being like a, a working artist is that you don't just get to do your art. You got to do your marketing. You got to do your publicity. You got to do your social media posts. You got to do your newsletters. You know your sub stacks. Your your all, all of it, right? To where uh, all that behind the scenes work isn't usually seen or appreciated. And just having people out there, kind of like Brandon, that's that's giving you the, the kind of like, you know, uh, the the um, the pearls. The pearls, yes, the gems of wisdom to help move that along, uh, I think is wonderful. So much, much props to him and the work he does. Uh, and thank you to the audience that is joined that has joined us tonight for this episode. I hope you got pearls of wisdom out there. Uh, whether this is your first or uh, time, or you've been here many a times, just make sure that you continue to follow us on IG and Twitter. Words and sh. And also watch the past episodes on YouTube and wherever podcasts you listen to, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. We're out here.
make sure you like and subscribe or subscribe at the very least i say it every week i want to change that url subscribe to the youtube that way you get notifications about upcoming shows uh we've got an amazing lineup still for the rest of season three that we are rounding out for the rest of the year next week we will be back uh with a beast from the south east xavier cool kid alexander joining us can't wait for that and so much more thank you again for everybody who tuned in until next time y'all stay safe out there that's chevy i'm roost